Okay, good morning. This is your two-minute warning to finish getting your coffee and donuts and whatever else you need, sugar, caffeine. Um, sorry, we're running just a little behind today. At both of our services this morning, we are welcoming in new members. So um, once we get started here, the first thing I'm going to do is invite Pastor Grady up, and he's going to uh, introduce you to some of our new members. And if they uh, feel so inclined, they can tell you a little bit about themselves. And if they don't, then we'll tell you about what we know about them. <laughs> so, um, but a, a wonderful today, a day today. Of course, next weekend is Palm Sunday, keep in mind, uh, where we will have, I don't know how many, Pastor Grady, how many young adults do we have being confirmed? He can't hear me. Do you have your hearing aid on? How many young adults do we have next weekend? We have 10. We have 10. Okay. So confirmation at the late service next Sunday. Okay. Um, so uh, that'll be wonderful. Um, obviously, most of them will be receiving our Lord's body and blood for the first time. All of them will be making their confirmation vows. So, okay. All right, I'm going to give you, what do you got, 30 seconds left of my two-minute warning uh, to get your coffee and donuts, and we'll get started. Okay, I think we're ready to get started now. Let's uh, begin with a word of prayer before I turn it over to Pastor Grady. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, by your great goodness, mercifully look upon your people that we may be governed and preserved evermore in both body and soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So I was standing here looking around a minute before, and everybody's like, what's he looking at? I'm trying to track down new members. Um, I guess uh, we'll start with Eric and Sheila Brower, but you're not exactly new. You've been hanging around for a while, and this is just our chance to welcome you and let you come up and just say a couple words about yourself, maybe. And how you landed here. Is that good? Are you prepared for that? <laughs> come, on, come on up and, and we'll do that. Okay, good. <laughs> Are we allowed to ask questions? Uh-uh. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sheila Brower, and uh, we live in Avon. And I'm... <laughs> Anyway, um, we're, we're both retired, and um, we enjoy visiting our grandkids. Uh, we have some, four that live in Fort Wayne, four that live in Cleveland, and of course they bring along our daughters and their husbands with them, so we get to see them, and our son lives in Chicago. Okay, um, good morning. I'm Eric Brower, and um, a little bit of, about us, um, as Sheila mentioned, um, we're both retired. I worked up at Delphi in Kokomo for almost 30 years. Um, she was a school teacher for 19, 20 years and a lab tech before that. So we've been around the Indianapolis area. We live in Avon right now. Um, and I think we've lived there about 35 years or so. So um, we've, you know, been in the area, know the area. Um, glad to be here at Advent and um, good to see all of you this morning. Okay. Blessings, both of you. Great to have you here formally. Oh, they're not done yet. Hold on. Oh, yeah, we're not done. We're not totally. done yet. We All have... right. Uh, favorite movie actor? Oh. Uh, Jimmy Stewart. That's a good one. Jimmy Stewart? That's a good one. Okay. Okay. 
You're following your husband on that one. Okay, all right. All right. <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Let's see. Um, Connor Ryan is not here. And this is a weird one because a lot of you know Connor, right? Parents over here. And you know Connor? <laughs> you're not claiming him? Okay. Well, he went to school at Ball State, and he must have transferred his membership to Grace up in Muncie while he was at Ball State, or at least an associate member there, like my daughter Megan is. But they sent us a letter transferring him back. I guess they were tired of him. I don't know. So... Um, Let's make but him go been, through classes all over again. He's been back. <laughs> so when you see him, welcome him, say hi, and, you know, we'll give him, we'll give him an official envelope box and all that stuff. Um, Caitlin, Doreen, if you would. And, and let's see, I have an official welcome packet for you, I think. But I'll give you the microphone. Thank you can talk first. Hi, everybody. My name is Caitlin Deering. I am a legislative assistant for the Indiana Senate downtown. So if anybody has any questions whatsoever about state policy, feel free to ask me. <laughs> oh, well. I'll try. No Bible study. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch what I say now. <laughs> so basically what I do for a living is um, help two state senators do their jobs. Um, and that's everything from helping them write legislation all the way down to last week helping one of them fix their tie. Um, so that's always fun too. Um, I answer the phone all day, so I hear from lots of people. It's really, it's really a very fulfilling job. Um, I graduated from the University of Notre Dame in 2015. Um, I am from Hendricks County. That's where I live now. My parents attend R. Shepherd in Avon. And I found Advent because it reminded me of the Lutheran Church in Terre Haute that I went to when I was growing up. Um, I really am very drawn to the, the beautiful music and the loving environment here. And I'm very, very happy to be here. Well, we're very happy to have you. Do you have a question? Well, the same one, favorite movie actor. Oh. Probably Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart and Humphrey Bogart. We got the big ones out of the way. <laughs> John. John. Do I see John? John Nobleck? John, John, going once, going twice. John must have had an appointment. Um, he is transferred here from another local congregation on the south side. He moved up here to the north side and got tired of driving. And this is good, and we're ha very happy to have him here. Um, Kylie Pearson and her sons, Liam and Noah. And they were at the first service, um, came up, and uh, Liam went running to the back. and. <laughs> Back to the front, and uh, so if, if you see her, uh, she had to leave. Her husband, um, Zach, uh, woke up this morning with a swollen face, some sort of allergic reaction, so she was going home to check Ooh. on him, but uh, yeah, idea. so she may need some help once in a while if you see the kids running around, you know, help, her, help them corral. I told, um, the, I told the kid there were donuts in the back of the church, that's why he ran that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's not true. <laughs> um, Jesse Garrison and her husband, uh, Josh, uh, they're both coming into membership. They wanted to be here this morning. They were planning on it. But the doctor said, if you don't have this baby this week, you're being induced on Friday. So she was induced yesterday and most likely gave birth yesterday to their first child. And I have not heard from them yet. So they're getting a call after church either way. <laughs> um, so that's good. That brings us to uh, William, Bill, and Christine Goss. Come on up. <laughs> yeah, two of you, both of you. <laughs> you come as a pair. 
Um, Bill and Christine are Pastor McKay's neighbors. Ooh, do I get to do the introductions for Ooh, this one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why don't right. you? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'm going to hand off and and. Go well, here. I got my mic. You got on, that. So shut so, that off. Okay. We'll hand that. We'll hand that one. We'll hand so, uh, anybody remember what day we moved in? It's been a blur since we. It was sometime in December, I think. That sound about right. And so, so we're unloading the truck, and as we're unloading the truck. Um, we noticed that the truck is blocking the driveway of our next door neighbor. And I don't think you were home at the time because we'd went away, we had knocked on the doors and we left some M&Ms and, and other bribes to our neighbors to put up with us for a day or two and for however many years we live here. <laughs> and, uh, and so we're blocking their driveway. So up pulls this white car while we're unloading the truck and, and they're looking out, what's going on, you know? And so that's when I meet uh, uh, Bill and Christine for the first time. And, uh, and so they're next door neighbors to us. And, uh, and uh, it's been, a, been a, a joy and a pleasure to get to know you. They have a very deep and abiding Christian faith. Uh, they have worshiped uh, before at uh, uh, Cornerstone. And uh, we won't have time for your whole full story, Bill. Uh, but that, that's, you've got kind of a website, tells a little bit about all of your history. Uh, retired colonel in the Air Force, is that correct? Uh, so I'll give you a little bit of tidbit for that. Uh, but, but good folks, and, and I'll give you two minutes to tell whatever you want just not about me. So. <laughs> well, Chris and I have been married for 30 years, and uh, she's the sweetest thing that came into my life. And really, she's sweet. And that's, that's, uh, uh, I guess, oh, I, I did fly in the military and uh, crashed. <laughs> you never looked at that picture. You should look at that picture. Of the crash. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that one. Okay. And uh, one of my favorite people on earth was Ross Perot. Okay. Uh, wonderful, wonderful guy. Wonderful guy. And anyway, that's about it. Good. <laughs> All right. We'll hand the mic over to the boss now. <laughs> yeah, like Bill said, we've been together uh, 30 years, and it's been great. And we've traveled a little bit here and there. We've been to Israel three times. Bill went there before, so he's been there four times, and it was a great trip, and we go to our, um, Florida quite a bit, and we're from the Chicago area originally, grew up there, and we're glad to be here, so thank you. Well, good to have you with us. Okay, favorite movie actor? Well, I like Harrison Ford. Cause Harrison I, Ford, that's a, that's a good one. He's a little younger than Bogart, and... Uh, she watches all those space I like, movies. Yeah, I like Star Wars. <laughs> and who's yours, Bill? Uh... Ooh. Ooh. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Good to, ha good to have you with us. Thank you. Welcome to you. Welcome, Bill. Okay, anything else, Pastor? Uh, that completes that. Okay. <clears throat> okay. All right, you ready to get into our Bible study? Any burning questions from last week? Raise your hand. Send me a text message. Nothing? Okay, today, you ready for this? We have 31 minutes. We are going to finish chapter one. No, I'm serious. We're really going to finish it and be done with it. So I know this first chapter has taken a little longer to get through, obviously. We started this one in January, I think. Um, but this, this first chapter is just absolute gold, just gold. So for those of you that are joining us for the first time, whether new members or guests, we are studying a book called The Saving Truth, Doctrine for lay people. 
And if you need help ordering one of these books, we can help you. It's available online either through Amazon or Concordia Publishing House. And uh, this book was written by uh, the sainted Professor Kurt Marquardt, um, who passed away in, what was it, 06, 07? Somewhere right around there. Okay, I forget all my dates, sorry. And uh, so this first chapter that we've been studying really could be divided up into probably five different chapters. So one thing I would encourage you to do if you do have the book before we jump into chapter two, which will be the week after Easter, okay? So next Sunday we've got confirmation and we're going to have a reception and we might do a, a little bit of study there, but we're going to honor and uh, probably roast our 10 confirmands. That's always fun. So we'll do a little bit more than just asking them their favorite movie actor. We'll let mom and dad, you know, throw some pictures up on the screen of when they were in the bathtub or I don't know, whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out. Um, so never fear. Uh, and then the Sunday after that is Easter Sunday, of course, which is our, our breakfast. Okay. So we've kind of got two weeks that we'll take a little break from doing a little more hardcore uh, lecture and Bible study like this. And then when we come back, Pastor Grady will get us started on chapter two. Okay. Um, so we are picking up, if you have the book, we should be on page 27. Um, and right here at the bottom, decisions about the correct understanding of Scripture. So he has just finished talking to us about what it means to have a confession of faith. So the word credo, say it with me, credo, simply means I believe. Okay. So if you go through the three ecumenical creeds, and remember that's the three ecumenical creeds, the, the earliest and simplest one is the Apostles' Creed. That's why it's included in Luther's small catechism uh, and even other catechisms that have been put out uh, throughout the history of the Christian church. And all three articles begin with, I believe, right? So I believe in God the Father, I believe in God the Son, I believe in God the... Very good. Same format for the Nicene Creed. And that's where he's going to talk a little bit on the next page. So because we're going to finish this up, let me start reading. <laughs> so decisions about the correct understanding of Scripture are embodied in creeds and confessions, and thus have been preserved throughout the centuries. So you want to know what the Christian church has, has, has taught or what they've believed? You need to know your history. And so that's one thing that, that, that many Christians completely forget. I think sometimes when you have people that are new to the Christian faith, one of the things that gets ignored in almost all denominations is teaching of some of that history. It's the same reason that we have a requirement, uh, you know, in just in, in our state school. So whether it's a private school or a public school, there is a basic body of knowledge that is required to be taught. For example, whether in private or public, you have to take, I think it's what, fourth grade here in Indiana, I'm still getting my bearings, I know what we did in Nebraska, but you're required to take some sort of a Indiana history or constitution class, right? So it's, it's, it's a combination of civics. This is how our government works. This is what democracy is all about. Uh, and this is, you know, uh, a little bit of the history, okay? Um, there's been a lot of articles. I think there's a couple of big ones that came out just in the last couple of months. So I'm not going to reference the magazines because I can't remember where I read it that was talking about... Um, how many of our, our high school graduates, you know, can explain, you know, the three branches of government in the United States? Um, or just, just certain basic things that are, that, are, that are part of that, a part of being even a citizen, right? A U.S. citizen. 
Um, so in the midst of all of our talk about immigration, the other, the other question is, how much have we taught our youth you know, about who we are for citizenship or history? Okay? We're not going to get into that discussion and argument, but it's kind of the same thing, and this is how I would, I think Professor Marquardt is trying to get us to think, who are we as Christians? What is our history? What is our heritage? What are the battles that have been fought before so that we can learn from them and not have to fight them again, right? Why reinvent the wheel? And so that's all part of the passing down of that knowledge, and that's a very uh, important thing, okay? So there are creedal hymns, and you can read these on your own, Philippians 2, 6 to 11, and also 1 Timothy 3, 16. They document the practice of framing short summaries of the faith already in New Testament times. Without such creedal decisions, nothing is ever settled. One would have to reinvent the wheel, oh, I had to use that phrase, sorry, every time a difference arises. Some people would say, no creed but Christ. This was big back when I was just a, a little boy uh, and earlier through the 70s and even 80s. But even that in and of itself is a creed and a self-contradictory one, right? Some people say, you know, we don't, we're creeds or, or deeds, not creeds. I mean, there's various things that have been, been done like that, but everybody has a belief in something, Right? So there's always a belief, there's always going to be a statement of faith. Um, you know, you have faith that when you pick your foot up, what's going to happen? It's going to come down. Why? Because of gravity. Okay. Um, do you breathe? <laughs> I hope so, right? So you have faith that every time you do that, what's going to happen? You're going to get the oxygen you need, correct? So, you know, there's even things that we take for granted that, 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 that are part of faith and just part of the natural world. All right, any questions before we move on? Since the church is not an occult society, its worship contrasts deeply with all mythological mumbo-jumbo. I love his big academic words that he uses sometimes, mumbo-jumbo. Note the pointed contrast between myth and truth in 2 Timothy 4.4, Titus 1.14, and 2 Peter 1.16, Okay. So if you have time later today or tomorrow, uh, pull up those verses on your smartphone uh, or open your actual Bible, hopefully dust it off if you need to, um, and look through the, the, the concept of myth and truth. Pay attention as well, late service people, for what Jesus is accused of in our text from John 8 for today. Early service people, you should have gotten a little bit of this already. Jesus is, is accused many times of lying of not telling the truth. And here is the one who is the truth, who is the Word, who is the Logos. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights, we've been reading through the Passion account. Um, that's all four Gospels that are put in a chronological order, as near as we can ascertain, but it's all from Scripture. And we read it together uh, from the time that Jesus, uh, uh, well, really begins uh, uh, Holy Thursday, Monday Thursday, with his last will and testament, all the way through to being placed in the tomb, okay? And uh, we'll have a short version of that, obviously, that we do every Good Friday um, and a little bit Easter Sunday morning, okay? So the church was well aware from the beginning that if the resurrection of Jesus was not utterly factual, the whole thing was worse than useless, right? So, so Paul talks about this. If, 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 if Christ has not risen from the dead, our faith is in... Vain. Oh yeah, you've read it. Very good. If Christ is not risen from the dead, our faith is in vain. So everything hinges on Jesus being who he is. Think two natures of, of, of Jesus, both man and God at the same time, human and divine. 
Okay? Secondly, uh, and this would be the, 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 the <laughs> boy, the material principle of the church, that everything hinges now on justification, that we are justified by grace through faith, that Jesus makes us just as if we had no sin. He's the one that does the work, period. And now through the Holy Spirit and with the, the blessing of the Father, gives all those gifts unto us. Okay? Um, thirdly, then, that this Jesus who was crucified yet lives and is alive, that he has ascended into heaven, sits at the right hand, that Jesus is in heaven right now, full flesh and blood. Okay? What's he wearing? I don't know. Does he have black shoes on or brown shoes? Do you ever have questions like that, or is it just me? Am I nuts? <laughs> you know, I mean, because he's got a body and he's in heaven right now. But, but he also comes to be with us through the means or ways that he has promised. So you know that Jesus is with you because first and foremost, you are what? Very good, thank you. You are baptized. Okay, you are clothed with Jesus. Secondly, you know Jesus is with you. Why? And if you tell me he lives in your heart, I'm going to throw something at you. <laughs> because that's not the main place to start. Okay? Secondly, you know he's with you. What are the other means? Just go through the means of grace. Okay, so sacraments. So you've already covered baptism. Now you've also got the Lord's Supper. So in simple bread and wine, his body and blood is actually there as a meal for you to eat. Not in a Capernaumic, uh, you know flesh-eating, you know, zombie, whatever you want kind of way, but, but in, a, in a mysterious sacramental way, and it's there to strengthen your faith, okay? Third, Jesus is also where? What's the Lutheran third sacrament that often gets forgotten? Absolution. That Jesus' word, that Jesus still speaks, here's a better way to say it, that Jesus still speaks in his church today through the pastoral office. Okay? And that gets completely forgotten. And so when I go to visit other churches and, you know, the pastor is just, <laughs> or maybe it's not a pastor, you know, there's no real absolution. There's no Jesus saying, I forgive you. I get a little upset because I want to hear from my Lord. All right? And I believe, as you do, or otherwise you wouldn't be members here, that, that Jesus uses this big goofy guy up here and that, where is he? Is he back here? <laughs> Shall I let your mom describe you, maybe? <laughs> um, uses, you know, whoever is placed into the office now to be that means whereby that word is spoken. You got it? Right? So, now, you still have forgiveness any time in your faith, correct? You can bow your head at any time. You can pray to God. Not only that, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass. So we forgive each other when someone comes and says, hey, you know, man, we're, we're going to sit down, we're going to have a beer, and Oh, man, i got to tell you, I had, ugh. I lied to my wife the other day. I know. It's bad. I got, I'm sleeping on the couch right now. What should I do about it? Get an extra blanket. Get an extra blanket. Anything else I should do? Probably apologize. Apologize to her. Oh, I, I just feel so broken up about this. I think I will apologize to her, but this is really eating at me. Any advice for me? Okay, what's he going to do? Is he going to send me to hell for this? What, Dude, give me the gospel. <laughs> All right. That, thanks. I didn't tell him to play into that, by the way. But this is where you have the opportunity as a Christian 
So when someone comes, they've sinned, give them good advice. But if they're really sorry for what they've done, what should you always tell them? Jesus has died for you. You are forgiven. Okay? Now, it's not your job as a layperson to stand in the stead of Christ and put a collar on and say, I forgive you all your sins. But you, ha- you should have a great joy. And, 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 and as a Christian, Luther talks about this a lot, of sharing the hope that lives within you, right? You know, that you're forgiven. You know, now go and, and, and say you're sorry to your wife and stop sleeping on the couch, you know, and, and do what you need to do there. But, but Jesus loves you. And sometimes I think that's the hardest hurdle for us as lay people to get over because we've been trained by society, don't talk about your faith. Don't talk about it. Right? But Jesus says, hey. <laughs> now, do that when you have opportunity. You don't go and necessarily seek out those opportunities, but when they present themselves, you'd be surprised at the opportunities you have just to simply share a little bit of your faith. And not just, let's not even say share your faith. Let's just say share Jesus. Is that fair? To share a little bit of what Christ has done for you. Okay? And you'll know the time and place for that. Okay? It may not be the, the water cooler, you know, at your job site. I mean, you know, there are certain times where perhaps religion or just other things like that might not be the most appropriate. And don't worry about that. The Holy Spirit will take care of it. Don't ever feel burdened that because you didn't do something, somebody's going to go to hell. I've heard a lot of missionary-type talk where, oh, well, you better start doing this, or people are going to go to hell because of you. And that's absolutely ridiculous, because not one person will be lost, Jesus says, whom he has appointed for salvation. So whether or not God has put you in that place, or whether or not you do this or do that, the Lord is bigger than you. So don't think you're Jesus. But take the opportunities you have to speak to that faith and to share and give hope for a little bit of that, okay? Any questions on that? Uh Uh-oh. That was all make-believe, by the way. We're good at home right now, so. Uh, There's, even in the Gospels and Revelation, it talks about at the end times, those who are being sent to hell, why didn't you ever tell them that? Yeah. I'd have to look at that passage in Revelation, okay? My, my question for that that I would need to look at was whether, how that's being recorded. If that's, if that's the beast that is now speaking these words and that's the question that the devil is always throwing back, trying to make you think that Jesus didn't do enough, okay? Um, so I don't want to answer your, I, I will look at that text and email me this week and, and maybe we'll, 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 we'll share that. So his question was simply, in Revelation, he remembers that there's a portion of the text that talks about those who are going, and I don't think it's, it's hell, I think it's to the lake of fire, or um, now I'm, 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 just don't quote me on any of this here, I know I'm recorded on the internet, but um, that why didn't you tell us about who Jesus was, right? Um, and so keep in mind this is the same thing that, that we hear through some of the gospel accounts as well. So this accusation is actually flung against Jesus and the disciples at various times, but they had hardened their hearts and they didn't want to hear. So there's also that going on at the same time. It's kind of the John 6 moment where Jesus tells everybody, you've got to eat of my flesh, drink of my blood, you know, you've got to have faith. You know, and some disciples, what's it, John 6, 
59, 55, where they say, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? And some of the disciples cease to follow him in that day. So, so sometimes what the sinner does, and especially the sinner that rejects the Holy Spirit, if you will, right? The one who is now condemned uh, is always lobbying the blame elsewhere, right? So to simply say, why didn't you tell us, is really to place the blame as opposed to, <laughs> you know, so... Yeah, how does, the, how does God handy, handle, you know, the pygmies or the, you know, the people in the Amazon rainforest? And I'm not sure that there's any more of those left on earth or not. Um, I mean, there, there certainly might be. The Lord is a gracious God, slow to anger, uh, you know, that sort of thing. So we, we trust that God has a plan for it, okay, um, for those that haven't heard the gospel. And we just leave that in his hands. The Lord desires to save, not to damn. He tells us that. I desire, you know, to save. So, okay. Okay, moving on. Good, good? 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 Okay. Here we go. The church was well aware from the beginning that the resurrection of Jesus was not only factual, the whole thing was worse than useless. And so a symbolic or otherwise imaginary resurrection is no resurrection at all. 1 Corinthians 15, 20, let's read it together. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. And then the solemn attestation of 1 Corinthians 15, 4, let's read it together that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Now that is regarded even by leading critical scholars as a creedal formula cited by St. Paul from earlier eyewitness sources. The Nicene Creed, which I was talking about before we, we jumped to ship, the Nicene Creed took up this language almost verbatim. And so the Nicene Creed, and that's the second ecumenical creed, so you have the Apostles' Creed, the Nicene's Creed, which is pretty much what we use every Sunday, the Apostles' Creed is for you to use daily. And if you read your catechism, and I asked that question four months ago, how often you are to pray it, and now I forget the answer. Do <laughs> you remember? It's morning. Well, if you include daily prayer, which would be morning, noon, and evening, and then at mealtimes, Luther encourages it, and then getting up and going to bed in the morning. It could be as many as, what is that, six, seven, eight? You know, otherwise at a minimum, probably three times a day. So the Apostles' Creed, you know, is, is for you to use. And as I've said before, if you ever feel like you're just in the presence of, of, of evil, or you get the heebie-jeebies, right? Hair stands up at the back of your neck. You walk into a dark house, a dark garage. You come to church at night and nobody's here. Freaky! Right? And even though it's the church, I mean, just whenever... Whenever you, you get that feeling, whether it's accurate or not, there's three simple things you can and should always do as a Christian. What's the first one? Speak God's name. He's given you His name for a reason. And it's by His name that all authority and power and dominion is exerted. And you know what? Say it out loud. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, make the sign of the cross if you wish. Remember, making the cross, this, that doesn't do anything in of itself. The power is in the Word. So speak the name, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Secondly, confess your faith. Okay, you'll see me walking around sometimes, and I'm talking to myself. I'm not delusional. I'm not on any medication that I'm not aware of, um, you know. And I, sometimes I just, I, I talk to God, and to be honest with you, I, I found <laughs> that I, I, I don't know. I, I, I kind of tell the devil what's up to sometimes, because he's tempting me, or sometimes my sinful nature is getting after me, you know. 
I mean, and I know that, and each of us have that, so you don't have to be a loud mouth like I am, but, you know, I believe, this is what I believe, my faith is founded. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived. I mean, just roll through the Apostles' Creed, okay? Luther called these basics of the faith the Enchiridion. You know what Enchiridion actually means? It was a common term. It was, it was more well used before the term catechism became used. Catechism is from Kateko. It means question and answer. Enchiridion means small dagger. Okay? So some of you might have a concealed carry permit. Okay? Uh, and you, you stay protected. You might have something in your vehicle. You might have something under your bed and your bedside. Uh, hopefully you're being safe with all that. I don't have any issues with that. In, in, in older times, people would carry a small dagger for personal protection. It was called an Enchiridion. And so the term Enchiridion, small dagger, personal protection, was then applied to what? The basics of the faith. So what do you have with you at any time to protect yourself against the devil, the world, and sinful nature? You have, what, you have God's Word. You have what He has revealed to you. You have His name. You have your confession of faith, a summary in the Apostles' Creed. And then what does Jesus also give? The third thing, it's the, the first part of the catechism, the first three parts, the Lord's Prayer. Okay? So those three things. Okay? Uh, wonderful, marvelous stuff. And the power and authority of God's Word over and against evil in this world is huge. Don't discount that. It's not hocus pocus. It's not mumbo jumbo. It's God's Word. Okay? So speak that Word. Use that Word. Okay? And I, th I think you'll be surprised. Okay? If you have stuff going on at your house, by the way, that's a little, ooh, Twilight Zone-ish, call one of us as pastors. We do deal with that sort of stuff. And what we will do is come and do a, a home blessing. And all a home blessing is, is what? What's a blessing again? Have you learned this by now? It's applying the Word of God to a person, place, or thing. That's all it is. That's all it is. Speaking the Word of God. All right? I'm not going to doubt you. You tell me, you know, you've got plates flying through your kitchen. I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and question you. I'm not going to go get my, what's the meter the Ghostbusters use to determine the activity? <laughs> I don't have one of those. That'd be kind of cool. We should do that one now. It's all right. All right, we're never going to finish chapter one. This is why the Nicene Creed forms a very good example of how new language sometimes becomes necessary precisely to maintain the old truths unchanged. The old truth was that, read it with me, Jesus is God. This, Arius and his followers denied, although their language grew more weaselly as time went on, right? This Arius guy, by the way, you want to hear a fun Santa Claus story? So Santa Claus is based on, on Nicholas, of, 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 of St. Nicholas, right? And so they get to this, 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 this big council at Nicaea, and Nicholas gets in a fight with Arius, Santa Claus, pow! <laughs> he hits Arius. They're discussing and debating this issue of Jesus being both man and God. And Nicholas, Santa Claus, he's had enough. <laughs> I love it. He gets in trouble for this, by the way. <laughs> I mean, he gets in trouble. He actually gets... It, it, that's not how you deal with arguments. Don't just punch someone, right? Yeah. So, I mean, our, our kids sometimes think that's how you settle a, a, a debate. Uh, but you don't, don't do that. Okay, so anyway, there you go. You got a Santa Claus story for today you probably didn't know about. 
So this Arius uh, pretty weaselly. So when the Arian said Jesus is Lord, this was the old language of the Bible being used to cover up the new falsehood that Jesus was not really God. So to smoke out the denials and evasions, the Nicene Creed, and that's really the creed of two councils, Nicaea, which was in 325, and Constantinople, which was 381, this frame now the new language, and this is where we get God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, and especially, and let's say this one together, being of one substance with the Father. Now, this last expression, that's called the uh, homoousian. Say that real fast. Homoousian. Oh, you were slow. Okay. That's in Greek, and that was especially hated by the Arians. They opposed it as newfangled. Yet, this newfangled language preserved the old truth while the old language was used to conceal the new error. So when bad things happen to good words, it's probably time for a creed to set matters right. So faggot used to mean a bundle of sticks. Did you know that? You probably heard that before. And, and now, of course, you don't hear the term much anymore, and maybe appropriately because it's taken on a new meaning, right? You know, so if I yell over the fence to my neighbor as I'm you know, picking up uh, you know, branches in the backyard, hey, come help me with this faggot. <laughs> What's my neighbor going to do? <laughs> probably close the door and run screaming inside the house, and it's probably going to end up on Facebook or social media that this new Pastor McKay that lives uh, back in Royal Run you know, is a hater, right? So, so different, but different meanings of words, right? So if the meaning changes, you have, one, you have to make sure you educate, two, then use it appropriately. So what they did with the Nicene Creed is they updated the language because the old words or the combination, no matter, didn't have the same meaning. Are you, you following this? Okay, all right. Any, any questions or anything you want to throw at me? Hope I didn't offend you. You got me, right? Okay. You got my back? What, question over here? Yeah, Chuck? Change? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you. And at the same time, I also recognize that, you know, it's kind of like who's in charge of the dictionary, right? So my wife and I had this, and she's not here because our older boys had to sing at our Shepherd Lutheran Church their late service today. Uh, we had this discussion about, what was it? Uh, vocation or calling or something. And so she gives back to me this definition of what vocation or calling is. And I said, that's wrong. She goes, well, who made you God? I said, the Bible. <laughs> so my definition for vocation or calling is that which God has given you to do, right? Given you the ability to do. The Webster Miriam whatever definition was that which you have a passion for. And so what I was trying to differentiate, well, if I stop having a passion about being a husband, does that mean I can stop being a husband? <laughs> you know, if I no longer have a passion for being a man anymore, then I'm going to be a golf club. <laughs> you, you're picking up what I'm laying down with this, right? So if you, you start talking in that, so now the word's been redefined. And so I think as Christians, we need to start with our definitions from Scripture first, because we believe that's the truth. Um, and how do we live in the world and not of the world? Chuck, when you figure that out, let me know, please. But I agree with you. This is why Luther never wanted the catechism to be changed either. He said, pick a form. So the way I first memorized the catechism, thou shalt have no other gods. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And then all of a sudden I move in 1987 
to a new church in Kansas City, and they've got the new translation of the catechism and a new hymnal too. That really screwed me up, right? What's this? This is the feast. Where did that come from? Right? I mean, so those were all new things to me because we just used the old TLH. We had the Gloria or you didn't have it. You know, now we've got this is the feast, which I love, by the way, and we'll use it here at Easter. Okay? But you, you've also new forms. They are new forms that the church has said together we're going to use these. But now the catechism was you shall have no other gods instead of thou shalt not have. You see the difference? Now that really screwed me up, especially when it came to the meanings. I knew the catechism backwards and forwards, but now I had to memorize some of the new, it just it threw off my whole cadence in my head, okay? I had the same problem when I started going to seminary. My first Greek teacher was uh, Reverend Mark Serberg, great pastor, he's in Illinois, wonderful guy. I know him well, he was a grad student at the time, and he taught me to pronounce Greek the American way. Koine Greek from the Bible is a dead language, right? It's kind of like I told you with Hebrew, we really don't know exactly what it sounded like. Okay, so we have to make something up to help stick up here. So he taught me how to pronounce vowels a certain way. Okay? Then I take summer Greek in the summer, and I have Dr. James Veltz, who wrote, by the way, the Greek grammar book that most of our seminaries and colleges use. He pronounces everything the European way. Totally screwed me up. I had memorized all these words, right? all these, I mean, declensions, I mean, I'm not going to get into all that, all these different things a certain way, and now I'm hearing them a different way. What do you think that did for me? I'm not a smart man. <laughs> I, that really screwed me up because I had things in my brain a certain way. So, yes, it's best to stick with a standard way as much as you can. Pick a way and, and, and do that. Okay? Okay. Man, we're not going to get through this. I really wanted to get through this. Forget questions, we're moving on. The classic creeds and confessions all arose in times of great ferment in the church. There have been two such creed-forming ages. The first settled the great battles about Christ as both God and man. That's the Arius thing, which occupied the church's attention in the early centuries. Some thousand years later came the great upheavals of the Reformation age. The debate at that time turned on the nature of the salvation gained by Christ and the terms on which it is offered to sinners. Now, over the last two centuries, so that's 200 years, since the Enlightenment, Christianity has experienced probably the deepest crisis of all in the systematic subversion of its biblical foundations. Marquardt, this is huge. Marquardt, did you hear what he's saying here? Over the last two centuries, since the Enlightenment, Christianity has experienced probably the deepest crisis of all. In Professor Marquardt's opinion, what the church has gone through the last 200 years He's saying perhaps might be the deepest crisis ever. Okay? And I, I want you to think about that. Okay? Um, and think about what we've learned so far about the Bible being God's word. And I want you to think about what's going on in you know, our so-called sister Christian denominations. Of how God's word is literally getting what? Ignored, destroyed, forgotten, edited. I mean, there's a lot of different words you can say. All at the same time, while, you know, your friends and family are part of some of these denominations or non-denominations will say, I still believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but, you see that? I don't believe that part of Scripture that talks about fill in the blank. Pick any of your hot button issues. 
okay? And that's, that's where he's coming from on this, okay? So some churches have understood and responded to this crisis better than others, but so far, no creed or confession is crystallized out of this conflict, which could command general assent as a proper settlement. Why? For one thing, perhaps such general settlements are no longer feasible after the confessional splintering of Christendom, which followed the Reformation. Okay, and remember, Luther never wanted to start a new denomination. He wanted to stay in the Roman Catholic Church and reform it, but, you know, then came the paper bull. <laughs> I mean, he got kicked out. Uh, but he's no longer a heretic, by the way. So, and I, wasn't he sainted? Didn't, did they saint, did they saint Luther? I think, no, I think, or maybe there's a work at that. I, I know that uh, uh, he's no longer a heretic. They, they uh, redid that. So, um, anyway, okay. Let, let's stop there because it's time. Man, damn. Oh. <sighs> Page and a half. Okay. Sorry, Pastor. Okay, questions? I mean, isn't this studying the Bible and issues? I mean, I, I don't know. I could just do it all day. Maybe that's why I'm a pastor. I, I hope you enjoy digging into some of this. And one of the things I do want to say, you know, down the road after we kind of go through, you know, the rest of this book, which will set the foundation, um, you know, we, we want to try and make some more opportunities available or things like that if you want to continue to study. So, you know, we've talked about starting some other Bible studies during the week, once a month, you know, men's group, women's group. I don't know what we should do. I don't know what you want to do as a congregation. Um, some of that is good for certain people. So if you have some ideas, can you just promise me that you'll text or email me or Pastor Grady um, and let us know what would be good as we go forward? My hope and desire is, is to rekindle a little bit of love for, for God's Word and a study for that, and also to help equip you that, that, that when your brother sits down next to you and tells you about his struggles with his marriage, uh, that, that perhaps you'll be a little more well-equipped to share a little bit of that faith and what your Lord and Savior has done for you uh, and for all people, okay? All right, let's stand and close with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Amen.